Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. A few years ago, I was on a flight from Dallas. I was just thinking uh, the other day, I was trying to figure out where I was going. I know I was going from Dallas somewhere, but I, I can't remember exactly where I was going. So I, I got, on the, uh, got on the plane, I'm, I'm sitting down, and uh, everybody's coming in and, and taking their places. And, and I, had, I had gotten like the primo seat. How many knows what I'm talking about? When you get there, you get the best seat. And you want to get there first because you want to have dominion over the armrest, right? So you want to get there first so you can claim the armrest, so you can sit there and say, this is my armrest. Anybody else come and sits beside you? I got the armrest. It's mine. Bless God, you should have been here earlier. So anyway... I'm sitting there, I have claimed my armrest, and as um, I'm looking up the aisle, and so there's this guy coming in, and when he got, come, he's coming down the aisle, and he didn't have to go very far, I, I thought, man, this guy looks so familiar, big guy, big guy, and so as he's getting closer to me, I realize, for some of you wrestling fans, you'll know who I'm talking about, it was Junkyard Dog, What? Junkyard dog was on the plane with me. How many wrestling fans do I have in the house? All right. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Other use other rest of you Google him. All right. Junkyard dog. And so he's coming down. He's coming down that aisle. I'm thinking JYD is on. JYD ends up sitting right by me. Guess what I did with the armrest? I gave him the armrest. I said, Junkyard, you can have that armrest. I ain't, I'm not fighting you over that. And I'm just privileged that you're sitting beside me. Watched you since I was a kid, Junkyard Dog. Man, that was one of my highlights of my wrestling um, whatever. So anyway. <laughs> so I can tell we got some wrestling fans in the house. I mean, remember Andre the Giant. Man. It go dude. How many? What about this one? The Macho Man Randy Savage. Come on now. What? Some of you are like, some of you younger folks are sitting there. What in the world? Then you're googling it right now. Macho Man Randy Savage. Who is that? What about this one? Jake the Snake Roberts. Signature move. Signature move. The DDT. How many remember? The DDT. Kamala. The big one, Hulk Hogan. What? Anyway, so yeah, Ric Flair, all those. So all these, all these wrestlers, if you'll remember, they had this signature move. It was, it was like the signature move, and the whole point of wrestling was this: is that you wrestled, your, and everybody knows this is real, right? I mean, that wrestling was real. I've seen them. I've seen them bleed it, so I know it's real. But the, really, the whole point of wrestling is, is that you wrestle your, point, your, your opponent and you grind them into submission. And you put them in a place where they, where they have no choice but to submit and they tap out. Or actually, the, the referee will. Remember, the refs, I mean, it was always cool. They would get down the floor. I mean, there was drama. One, two. And then, remember what happens about right here? Get their shoulder up. And you go, oh, man. Get him pinned back down. And it's one. And it's two. Finally, they... They tap them out. Let me say this about life. Life is a lot like that at times. Because there are times where you can find yourself in a place in your life where you feel like it's just time to tap out. 
Now, I'm not talking about leave the planet. I'm not talking about dying the casket thing. I'm talking about just spiritually and emotionally, life has pulled you down and life has ground you down into submission. And you know without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's like the ref is getting ready for, for, for number three. You, you might be there right now. Maybe you've been there before, but you might be there right now where you feel like that life is just really, you're tapped out. I mean, there's no energy. There's very little life left in you. It feels like, but the good news is this, that that, that today Jesus has an answer. Jesus has an answer. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, he gives that answer. If you are in that place or you've ever been there before where you feel like, you know what? It's, a, it's about time to tap out. He's got the answer. And the answer that he gave almost 2,000 years ago is just as real today. It's just as uh, relevant today. It's just as powerful today as he said at the end. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, here's what Jesus said. This is the answer. Come to me. We could stop right there, right? Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, about ready to tap out. And I will give you what? Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Paint it this way. You're on the mat, tapping you out, and all of a sudden, there's something that rises up on the inside of you, and you not only get the shoulder up off the mat, but you turn the move, and you make a move on the enemy, and you get the enemy pinned down. Let me tell you something. When you come to God and you begin to do life God's way and you begin to learn from Jesus, what happens is, is that there is a resurrection that can take place, not just in your body, but really sometimes more importantly in your soul. One of the things that will wear you down, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that will wear you down emotionally, spiritually, physically at times One of the things that will cause you to want to tap out is strife. Let me talk to you a few moments tonight about the strain of strife. So you may say this morning, this this, not this morning, this evening, what's the big deal about strife? You know, here's what I've noticed. I've been pastoring for 20 something years now. One of the things I've noticed, I've observed, is that sometimes people don't even realize that they are in strife because strife is such a common part of their life. I mean, it's so common, it's so real, it's just, it's just normal. Strife is just how they do life. And maybe it's because that's the way that they were brought up. Maybe it's because their mother and their, uh, their, their mother and dad, that, that was just a, they had strife in their life and strife in their marriage. And they always struggled because of strife. You know why? Because wherever there's strife, there'll always be struggle. Wherever there's strife, there'll always, there'll always be struggle. So you may say, well, well, what's the big deal about strife? Well, well, here's one of the big deals about strife. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one is that strife affects God's plan. How many believe that God has a plan? 
All right. He has a plan and strife can affect God's plan in a negative way. Here's what Romans chapter 12 verses four and five says. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ. What? How many in the house are in the body? All right. So God's design and God's plan is that we are connected and we function as a body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. First Corinthians 12, 25 said this, says this. It says, God did this so that our body, our body's talking about the body of Christ would not be divided. God wanted the different parts to care, uh, to care the same for each other. So God's design and God's plan is, is for us to be connected. L- listen, one of the reasons that we have life groups on our campuses, we're going to be launching, we're just wrapping up the, this life group semester, this uh, summer semester, is that right, Paul? And, and, um, but we'll be launching life groups again in the fall. L- let me just say this about groups. Life groups are not uh, just a program. We're not a church, we're not a church, and when I say church, I'm talking about both campuses, we're not a church that's a church with life groups, we are a church of life groups. And here's why, here's why. We know, we believe that, that God's design is for us to be connected. And one of the ways that you connect or we offer the opportunity for you to connect is through life groups. And so that's the reason we encourage you when we launch groups, get in a group. Nudge your partner, say get in a group. Not your partner. Well, they may be your partner. Nudge your friend. Nudge the person next to you. Get in a group. I I didn't get the response that I was looking for them because it was kind of like, well, get in a group. (laughs) Can I stop here and talk about this just for a moment? Here's what you're thinking. Here's what you're thinking. I don't need anybody else. I don't don't need anybody else. Just me and Jesus. No, you and Jesus are going to get in trouble if you don't get connected. We can only be at our best when we're connected. Your marriage will only get better if you get in a group where everybody's pulling together saying, you know what, we're in this together. We don't have it all figured out. We're kind of messed up, but we're all going to figure this out together and we're going to have a better marriage. Amen. And so, so when we launch groups, I, 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 th- I, think, we, I think we ought to have a control uh, problem with the, the crowds that are overwhelming trying to get signed up. Can how many agree this morning? I mean, it's this evening. Because we're created but he, to be connected. But here's what, here's what strife does. Strife divides. Yeah, st- strife divides. Strife divides nations against nation. St- strife the guy, divides nations. I don't, I don't know if you figured it out or not, but our, our nation is, is kind of divided. Can, can I stop here just a moment again? L- listen to me. I don't care what news network you listen to. Listen to me. I don't care what news network you listen to. Here's how the networks make money. They make money off of strife. Good word, Pastor John. Good word. Thank you for helping me this evening. Thank you for helping me. They make money off of strife. They don't care about the truth. They don't care about bringing this nation together. They, they, They care about ratings, which lead to money. Come on now. 
Th- that's what they care about. The bottom line. They don't care about reporting the truth. They're, 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 all they care about is how can we create more strife so we can get higher ratings, so we can sell more ads, so we can make more money. <laughs> Are you serious? They really do that? Yes. Organizations, listen, where there's strife in organizations, it, it, it brings division. When, when there's strife in churches, it brings division. When there's strife in families, it brings division. When there's strife in a marriage, can bring division. That's what strife does. That's one of the reasons it drains us and our souls get so overwhelmed. They're so tired, so worn out. So that's what strife does. Strife is harmful. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's because it affects your soul. Jesus said you need rest for your soul because you have a soul that needs rest. You see, here, here's the deal. God created us in an, an amazing way. He created us in his image. That means that we are a spirit. Now, don't, don't flip out going, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like I'm some sort of a ghost. No, but God is a spirit. How many can agree with that? We're created in his image. So if he is a spirit, we're created in his image. That makes us, us what? A spirit. It's our inner man, right? We live in a body. That's what you're looking at right now. All right. So it's not going to happen. So nobody freak out. If I just fell over dead right now. This body is going to hit the floor, but my spirit is not. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to be absent from the body, but I'm going to be present with the Lord. How many are thankful for that? There's life after this, right? Now, are you clapping because I could drop over dead and you see all that and you go, make the news, right? I mean, pastor's talking about the news. And... <laughs> I mean, he likes to have fun in church and just, I do too. But, but, but we have this soul. It's our mind, our will, our emotion. It's the seed in which we make judgments. Yeah. It's where we form opinions and our beliefs. That's where that takes place. So the enemy does, can't go after. He can't really do anything about your spirit, man. But here's what he does. He has access to your what? Your, your soul. And so our souls can become weary. That's the reason sometimes you want to tap out. That's the reason, listen to me. The, uh, uh, what am I talking about here? Uh, stri- um, strife, <laughs> you just left me for a second. Strife, listen, strife will wear your soul down. Yeah. How many of you ever been in a place where you're like, I just need a break? Yeah. You, you ever been there before? Now, now listen, it's not always just physically you need a break. What you're really talking about is often your soul needs a what? Needs a break. And strife, listen to me, if you tolerate, if you allow it, it will affect your soul. In a negative, anybody getting anything out of this? Third John 2 says, dear friends, I'm praying that all is well with you and with your body and, and that your body is as healthy as I know your what? The health of your soul is connected to the health of your life. Not just physically. Take notes, write this down. It's the reason we... Got to deal with strife and not allow it into our life. Strife is Satan's door. (laughs) James 3.16, Pastor James wrote this. 
Very good. For where there is envying and strife, watch this, there is confusion and every evil work. (laughs) If there's evil work, guess who's around? If there's evil work, guess who's around? Satan. Why? Because strife is the door for the enemy. So when we learn to deal with strife, what we're really participating, what we're really executing, what we're really doing is we're really, um, we're really dealing with him through spiritual warfare. Come on now. And here's the deal about the devil. If you give him place, he can't behave. If you give him place in your life, he's not going to be nice. If you give him place in your life, he's not going to behave and say, just stay in your corner, Satan, and don't do anything. He's not going to do that. He's going to do what he does best. That's to steal, kill, and destroy and begin to cause evil actions and evil things to begin to take place. This is good preaching for a young man like myself. So the question is, what is strife? Listen to this definition. What is strife? We're talking about it. We might as well figure out what it is. Strife is bitter and sometimes violent conflict or disagreement. Bitter or sometimes violent conflict or disagreement. Listen to me. All conflict and disagreement isn't necessarily strife. You got quiet because you're thinking. But just because there's conflict or disagreement, it doesn't mean that it's strife. Because part of doing life and having relationships and being in a relationship with people, you're going to disagree. And all the married folks said amen. amen. Right? So there's going to be disagreement. And there's going to be conflict. But it doesn't mean if there's disagreement and, and there's conflict, it doesn't mean that it's strife. So you say, well, where's the threshold? How does it become strife? How can you determine if it's strife or not? And here's how you know that. Here's how you know that it's strife and not just disagreement. It's the motive. What's driving the disagreement? What's driving the conflict? Because if it's selfishness and that's driving the disagreement, that's driving the conflict, there will be strife every time. Now hold on to that thought. There'll be strife every single time. I want it my way. I want it my way now. That is what causes strife to begin to erupt. So how do you deal with strife? How do you deal with it? I got to move pretty quickly through here. How do you deal with strife? It's going to happen, right? You're going to have the chance to be a part of it. So how do you deal with it? Well, number one is this. Is you need to come to Jesus. You need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Matthew 8 to 11, 28. Let's go back and look at that. Jesus said, come to who what? Come to me. Now, the implication there is this. You come to me. Don't bring your friend. Don't don't bring your friend. Don't bring your cousin. Don't bring your workmate. No, 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 no. What he's saying is Jesus is saying, you come to me. Why would Jesus say that? Because you have no control over what someone else does, but you have all the control over what you do. Can somebody say amen to that? 
So some people are like, well, you just need to have a come to Jesus meeting and I would like to be there with him as he straightens you out. (laughs) Come on now. Don't look at me so holy. I know you felt that before. So why would Jesus say this? You come to me because if there's always strife in your life, you're always there. You're always a part of it. So Jesus said, come, you come to me. But why do you, why does he, why does he want, why does he want you to come to him? I mean, what would it look like if Jesus were sitting here and, and you're weary and, and you've allowed strife to begin to tap you, sap your soul? What, what, do you, what do you think it would look like if he were sitting here and you walk into his presence? What do you think would happen? You got my peace. Rest for your soul, my child. You think that's still what would happen? I don't think so. I think he would look at us and, and he would say, let's look at Matthew chapter 11. And he would say this. He said, he would say, all right, I want you to take my yoke upon you and I want you to learn from me. I want you to learn from me. Because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And conjunction, you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus would say, okay, here's what I want you to learn. I want you to be like me. Specifically, I want you to be gentle. Your translation may say meek. And I want you to be humble because that's how you find rest for your souls. And so Jesus would say, now that I've taught you that, I'm going to go back to heaven and seated, be seated at the right hand of God because that's where I belong. I just came down here to meet you and talk to you and get you straightened out. But it would be our responsibility to begin to walk that out. Being gentle or meek. So what does that mean? I want to unpack these two things real quick. Two, two things real quick. Where Jesus said, be gentle or meek. What does that mean? Here's, meek does not mean weak or passive. That's not what gentle or meekness means, especially in this context. Here's what it means. It says to have the right or the power to do something, but not do it for the benefit of someone else. That's what meekness means. This is what being gentle means. To have the right or the power to do something, but not doing it for the benefit of somebody else. Quick example, John 21. Here's an example of Jesus' meekness, all right? Jesus' gentleness. So John, John chapter 21, uh, Peter has denied Christ. After Peter said, I'm not gonna deny you, Jesus, Peter meets with Jesus on the beach. They have fish tacos, and Jesus begins to talk with Peter. <laughs> Go read it, it's in the Bible. Now, maybe the fish tacos are not, but the fish is there. I just added tacos, that's my paraphrase. <laughs> Man, I'm hungry now talking about fish tacos. I don't know, I just... But, but here, here's what Jesus did. Jesus never one time said, Peter, what were you thinking? After you told me you would not deny me, you denied me. After you told me you would not bail out on me, you bailed out on me. He didn't bring that up. Did he have the power to? Yes. 
Did he have the right to? Yes. He never one time said, Peter, you don't know how that hurt me. Did he have the power to? Yes. Did he have the right to? Yes. Did he? No. Why? Because it wouldn't have been good for Peter. Let me give you the ultimate example of meekness in Jesus, demonstrating and modeling meekness. Philippians 2, 6, and 8, Paul's talking about it, talking about Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used, watch this, these few words here, to his own advantage. He's talking about going to the cross. He could have used the fact that he had the powers of God available to him. He had the right to, and he had the power to, but he chose not to. Why? I mean, he could have called a legion of angels down at any moment, but he didn't do it. He had the right to, he had the power to. He was looking at the cross and he was emotionally going through a very difficult time. But he, he knew that if, although I've got the power to, although I've got the right to, it wouldn't be good for John Welch. It wouldn't be good for all of those who, if I don't go to the cross, they won't go to heaven. They won't have a plan and purpose for their life. So he was meek and he was gentle and he was saying, I will forego my right and power for everybody else, for humanity. And this is what Jesus said, learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm meek. Let me ask you a question. What do you think that would do for strife? Come on now. What do you think that would do with strife, with meekness and gentleness? He would kill it. He also said this. He said, be humble. Right, <laughs> like... Oh, no. I wish you wouldn't have said that, Jesus. He said, be humble. Matthew eleven twenty nine again. He said, I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. Now, the two are, uh, meekness and humility are not the same. They're a little bit different because uh, gentleness and meekness has more to do with relating to people. But humility and being humble in the context of this statement here that Jesus made, that being humble is, has more to do with relating to God. Because the word humble, the word humble means to lower yourself. That's what it means here, to lower yourself. Let me say it this way. Let me explain it real easy. It just simply means to go low. When it comes to God and when it comes to what God is asking and when it comes to what God is saying, just go low. Put yourself beneath that. Are you following me? I mean, to place your... Place yourself beneath and lower yourself or what? Go low. First Peter 5, says, 5, 6 says, if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in his good time, he will what? Lift you up. With God, if you just go low, he'll lift you up. And let me say this about God. When he launches you, there's no enemy, there's no devil, there's nothing that can hold you down when you go low with God. The greatest example of that is when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. He prayed. He said, look, God, if there's another way to do this, let's figure it out now. But he realized there's no other way to do it. That's the reason he humbled himself. 
He went low and he humbled. He submitted to God in God's best. Are you with me? Let me say this real quick. You know, strife is not just always an outside thing. Sometimes we got strife on the inside. As a matter of fact, I would dare say, if there's strife on the outside, guaranteed there's strife on the inside. Are are you following me? I'm going to help you here as I wrap up this this evening. Who's, Who's coming to the keys as I wrap up? You should know my code word. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You see, when we're born again, our inner man, going back to what we talked about earlier, our inner man comes alive with God, God's spirit. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit? And he moves on the inside. He brings all God has, his life, his peace. He brings that. And, and so, so, so he, he's there on the inside. Well, the deal is, is that that's your new nature. Okay? It's your new nature. Uh, but you still have some of the old stuff laying around. Right? Call it the old nature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. But there's, there's still that old nature that kind of hangs around. Right? So the goal for walking with God and growing spiritually is this. Is that you want that old nature to continue to die. And you want that new nature to continue to grow and become stronger and stronger. Are you following me? That's, that's the goal. It's the process of walking out and, and growing spiritually. But, but as that happens, there's this, there's this conflict that's going on on the inside of all of us. In Galatians 5.17, Paul describes it. He says, the things our old selves want to do are against what the Holy Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit does not agree with what our old sinful selves want. <clears throat> How many ever been there? Holy Spirit's in there. It's like, oh, I do this. And old, old part's like, oh, this would be, feel really good to do that right now. Holy Spirit's like, no, you don't want to do that right now. You don't want to do that ever. Right? Watch this. These two are against each other. So you cannot do what you want to do. So there's that strife. There's that conflict on the inside. And, and so what do you do when that takes place? Because it's the Holy Spirit that God sent. What do you do when it's that, that old nature and there, there's that conflict? What do you do? You go low. You submit to what the Holy Spirit says and what he's doing and what he wants. You just go low. You see, because as long as you just keep budding and going on and on and on, there's just tension on the inside and there is, there is contention and there's that strife and you just keep budding and budding and budding. So what do you do? You go low. Let me give you a quick example as I'm, I promise you I'm wrapping up. And I'm, I've got more content than time, so I'm trying to wrap it up here. You see, you just got to accept that the fact that God loves you. And there are times you don't want to believe that. You, you don't want to believe that God loves you. Because maybe it's the way that you acted last week. And you don't want to believe that 
You don't want to believe that God could love you because of what you've done. And the Holy Spirit's there going, no, 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 <laughs> you're loved. So what do you do? You just go low and accept the fact that God's love for you is not based on what you do. God's love for you is based on who he is. You see, then, then there's time where it's mercy and you're like, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve. I just do not deserve it. And you're fighting because the Holy Spirit's like, yes, you do. Mercy's yours, not because of what you do. Mercy's there and yours because God's a merciful God. What do you do? You go low. You just accept it. Don't fight it. Don't push back on it. You just accept it. Forgiveness, the same way, because you're like, no, but I've done that before. How could God forgive me? And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, but his forgiveness never ends. You were forgiven then. And if you'll just allow forgiveness to take place again, you'll be forgiven again. Just go low. Now, now listen now. You say, what, what happens when that takes place? Well, when you accept God's love, you begin to give that love away. When you go low and you begin to accept that love, you begin to give that love away. And guess what happens to strife? Love can't exist. I mean, strife can't exist where love is at. You begin to give that mercy away because you've received it. You went low. You got the mercy. You begin to give it. What happens to strife? What happens to strife? Mercy. You begin to give people mercy because you've received mercy. Forgiveness. You begin to give forgiveness because you've received forgiveness. What happens? Strife, what's tapping your soul, it cuts it off. Amen? Amen. So where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? You feel like you're about to tap out? You're emotionally, you're spent because of strife? Let me tell you something. God's talked to you tonight. And we could get you up here and lay hands on you. We could pray for you. But that still wouldn't help you learn to do what you need to do. And that is meekness. Be gentle. Just because you can, just because you have the right to, doesn't mean you're supposed to. Right? Be humble. Be humble. You've... Humbled yourself under God and have received his forgiveness. You've humbled yourself under God and you've received his mercy. You've humbled yourself under God and you've received his forgiveness. And you just begin to do that. And guess what happens, ladies and gentlemen? That rest for your soul. The rest that you so desperately need. It begins to flood your soul. And you start getting one, one shoulder up off that mat. And after you get one shoulder off that mat, you make the move. And you're not on the bottom anymore. You're not on the bottom anymore. You're strong and moving forward and not a victim of life. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.